Welcome to the Guelph Politicast, episode 300. And if you think my voice is a little different today, that's because I'm not Anime Donaldson at all. <laughs> I'm Scotty Hertz. I got the call up to have some words with Anime Donaldson to celebrate the fact that this is episode 300 of the Stalwart podcast Ooh, of Guelph Politico. Yes. I like it. 100%. Adam, welcome to the program. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> glad you're able to make it for, for I know for the show that you do all of the time. <laughs> I know. It's so hard to make room in the schedule. Yeah. Well, no, it's it's fantastic. <laughs> this is it, it's an accomplishment for sure. Uh there's been a lot of podcasting is one of those things where they come and go, lots of them flame out. I know because I've been one of these people who's like started a thing and then couldn't get it done, but you have definitely made it uh, over the milestone. Well, I would think 100 is probably a bit of a milestone, but then 300 is just like, okay, this this thing is just going to keep going forever. Yep. Yep. We, we, we've made it this far. <laughs> Sorry, might, might as well just keep doing it. So I, I, I guess like anybody else, and I sort of know a bit of this story, but mm-hmm. I would want to know, and uh, for the listeners at home too, is like, what was it that initially prompted you to start doing this? Because it's an interesting project, right? It's not, it's a labor of love to a degree, mm-hmm. but there's also, well, I'll let, I'll let you answer it. I'm just about to answer your question, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, for anybody who doesn't know, Guelph Politico started as the Guelph by-election blog, 08. Um, <laughs> original title, I know. Uh, but there was a, a by-election in the summer of, 2008 uh brenda chamberlain had resigned um so it was an open seat it was an open election we were getting a lot of really big names like jack layton was here on an almost weekly basis Mm -hmm. uh elizabeth may this was kind of her first big test as leader of the well maybe not a test per se but she certainly smelled opportunity i think it was the um election before that that ben Pauly came in third in guelph in the provincial election. And so Mike Nagy was running again. And so they really thought, and they had a lot of money that election too. So they uh, really thought the odds were in their favor. So Elizabeth May was here a lot. Stephen Harper uh, had come to Guelph um, the spring before, because I was still on staff at the Ontarian when that happened. We all... (laughs) We all got in a car one night when Stephen Harper came in town and we all we went out for dinner and then we went up to uh, the Guelph Place Banquet Hall uh, for Stephen Harper. It was me. As, as far as you can go in town to go to a thing. Yeah. Literally the late, great Guelph Place Banquet Hall. Literally the last stop on Highway 7 before you leave town. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So me and Julian, the photo editor, the news editor, Aaron, and the features editor, Greg, we all packed into a car, went to see Stephen Harper. And that was also Stephen Dion's. Uh, he came to Guelph oh, yeah. to do a, yeah. like a town hall announcing what we would call now the carbon tax but it was like the green shift he was calling it so like there was a lot of stuff happening and I was doing a column for Echo that was like 600 words and it was just like you know there's a lot of stuff going on there's a lot of attention being paid here and it just felt like one weekly column wasn't enough so long story short it became a six-week project that became a 12-week project when um the by-election became a general election. It was it became an election for everybody. Um, and then uh, after that, I was like, okay, that was a fun six-week 
project that was 12 weeks and that but then the proroguing crisis <laughs> in quote marks because oh, it wasn't yes. a real crisis. but i mean there was a lot of activity around that too and there was like protests like people having like these kind of uh they weren't really protests per se but like gatherings downtown like there's a lot of political activity because uh, a lot of people and you know it's the financial crisis as well mm. so there was a lot of upset and vulnerability um in in not well not just guelph but all over but you know because i live in guelph and i was covering guelph it just seemed like you know it didn't seem like the project was over so a couple of months later i just reactivated the blog and start and change the name and away we and go that, and that's kind of when our paths started to cross because i was with and still i'm with the <laughs> cfru but yeah <laughs> i think at that point i might have been in the protest rather than detailing <laughs> them to some degree but <clears throat> lots of crossover there but that's mm-hmm. so th- a 13 year arc i guess we're at now mm-hmm. um it's it, it's interesting you say that about the you know, so much happening in town but i think coupled with that it was what we've seen mm-hmm. getting probably progressive it's kind of leveled off now but progressively worse as the years have gone on it is the 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 I hate to use this, I'll say demise. I was going to say the death of local media because it's not dead. Mm. Definitely on life support, but just kind of <clears throat> starting to go. And I did you feel that you, not just the fact that all the, what happened out of 08 and things were happening, but did, did you see a need? Did you feel like sort of a deep kind of like that you, you that this information needed to be covered and, and out there? I mean, I, I don't know at what point exactly Guelph Politico became like just something I did do something um, I needed to do. Like it for the longest time, it was like whatever I could find the time. Cause I, you know, I was trying to do the freelance thing and sometimes I had a steady gig and sometimes I didn't have a steady gig. And sometimes uh, I had to do non-journalistic work to pay the bills. And uh, sometimes I had more free time than others. And it was just, you know, whatever I can do. Um, I mean, the Guelph, as you know, is kind of a very um, niche town. It's kind of like a, you're kind of in the club or you're not in the club kind of feeling. Good way to put it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's sort of taken this long to like really build those resources. And, and um, I mean, it was a couple of years before I, you know, ended up on the, press list for the city i mean i also wasn't really doing like active news stuff at the time it was mostly you know me needing a place to rant about local stuff or you know i again it was if if i couldn't fit it in the echo column i would do it on politico um and then you know there was the 2010 municipal election and that felt like a really great opportunity to do something um that i felt like mainstream media couldn't do because you know in the, the, there's restrictions in the newspaper and a lot of what was put online was just you know photocopied from what went in the print uh with the exception of like maybe the 59 carden street blog the old mercury city hall blog so a lot of that stuff i did in that election was like the long form questionnaires and sending them to every candidate and chasing down every candidate and a lot of the evolution of Guelph Politico is just like, what is something that people aren't doing? And that, you know, live blogging started that way because I would, you know, I 
being creature of the internet. I would go on Twitter and I'd see like people like Matt Galloway um, or Jonathan Goldsby live tweeting city council meetings. It's like, oh, that's a good idea. Somebody should do that for Quelf. <laughs> and that, I mean, and that's how I started doing it. I, I started going to like in 2015, I went to the budget meetings and was live tweeting them. And people were like, hey, this is kind of cool. So I thought, well, maybe we should do them for every <laughs> city council meeting. And uh, I don't even know how many city council meetings it's been since. <laughs> Endless <laughs> city council meetings. I mean, it's because you do, you literally try and go to all of them, not just, not, not just the big main meeting that people are familiar with, but also committees and special meetings and town halls. I mean, you name it, you're, you're there. I can't say I'm at every committee meeting, although I would like no, to but be, but um, close, I'm, yeah. I mean, when city council moved to a committee of the whole format, that was kind of a game changer because you're not having five different smaller committees in a month. You, you have one big committee meeting. So that makes, uh, especially if you have to have a day job and you have to kind of plan around that, that makes life oh, yeah. a bit easier having one big committee meeting instead of several, but yeah, it, things like that, like also like sending questionnaires to, to, um, school board candidates and that, and that started like actually somebody said to me like hey your questionnaires to council candidates are really cool you should send some to school board candidates because like people just kind of like you know move their finger in the air and wherever the finger lands that's who they vote for for school board and, and, yeah. I, and i was like oh yeah you know what you're right and i think it was i was in 2014 election i think in a week i sort of scrambled together a questionnaire and i send it to all the the school board candidates because they don't they don't get a lot of love there was a lot no, of updates <clears throat> They're probably surprised too that they to get the attention because that's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hate to say it, they are sort of like the, the poor cousins any election, right? It's just kind of like, oh yeah, school board. I think yeah. I might know so and so. But yeah, and that's and I'm, I'm I mean, I'm sure they appreciate that to some degree too, because you can't you rarely see signs. It's, it's difficult, I think, to get traction in that respect. Mm. Now, do you do you I've always wondered, do you know if there's any I don't I don't know this off the top of my head, but are mm. there any this may be in larger places, but in, in let's say smaller towns, like in surrounding area and that maybe Milton or possibly Cambridge that mm. anybody does what you do. I don't think I, I can't say that I've heard that there's an all arounder like what you do um, in any other towns. I'm sure they exist. And I'm sure if we did the, a bit of a dig, we could find them, but I just yeah. do you find that a lot of times it just, what you do, I mean, you are covering a local beat and I guess there are times where it sort of extends into uh, the larger media. Like when you ended up in that uh, Globe and Mail spotlight, I'm thinking of specifically the one, <laughs> on, the one that spoke of the death of media. What do they call you? The earnest, what's the exact quote? The earnest and earnest fellow. <laughs> and Adam Donaldson is somebody that goes. <laughs> it was an interesting way to put it. It was almost like old fashioned media detailing the new media by calling you an earnest fellow like it sounds like it could have been written in 1910 it's I mean, true it's, though it's it better than it's better than being called an online blog which has also happened an online blog on the internet yes <laughs> but i mean having said that thinking back to that article you are the survivor of that like i was yeah. saying off the top that there are people that come and go there's uh, maybe a bit of notoriety maybe a little bit of flash in the pan blogging and people mm -hmm. have great ideas and there's an enthusiasm to want to do something and then it disappears, but you've, you've stuck it out and also, and on many channels too. Now, do you find um, when you're doing something, say in another area, like your, do you find that um, your market squared column kind of can guide people towards uh, like this podcast or other things? Or do you just see it as other big 
the big hole. Not a mm. big hole, but the big hole project. <laughs> he's digging a big hole and he's doing it. No, you know what I mean? <laughs> the big picture, let's say. Uh, the big picture. I mean, I, I think it's all of a piece. And it, the, the things for, you know inform each other, like um, paying careful attention to city council meetings help inform the the column because um you know you're writing a column that's sort of your opinion but it is based on things you observe and things you see and things you hear uh and that stuff has to be tight and to to go back to what you're saying about sort of other people have sort of come and go i mean that is true um i think I think people have come in with a lot of gusto, right? And there was a, a there was a Facebook group pretty early on after the Merc closed that was like, we're going to watch every city council meeting. We're going to post it here on Facebook and we're going to tell you all the highlights and the lowlights and uh, tell you what's going on. And that like evaporated pretty quickly yep. because um, <laughs> a lot of people- Unaware of the commitment, right? It's like, well, it's or not did even... you say, um, I'm already doing this. So if you want to support me, then like, just do that, right? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I mean, I'm, it, this is kind of like the, like the most blatantly capitalist I get. It's like if, if like competition breeds success, right? So if somebody wanted to step in and try this, I would be okay with it. Uh, as long as they're sort of forewarned that, you, you know, you're not going to see success right away. And I think I stepped in this too in the beginning um, that, you know, people see another news outlet and people immediately flock to you and go, yes, this is great. I support you. And that turns out to sort of not be the case. You have to build an audience. You have to build support. Mm -hmm. And that's a years long project. Um, I think I've seen a lot of different media sort of step in and, you know, they all sort of seem to make, I think a couple of common mistakes. Number one is just kind of like, photocopying press releases from I mean whether it's from the city of Guelph whether it's from the county whether it's from um the chamber of commerce like whatever just like cop click like copy and pasting and then adding a graphic and then like maybe jazzing up the headline a bit you're not gonna build an audience that way because you're giving people information that they can get in. and this is something I learned along the way too because I used to do that exact same thing mm-hmm. um now what I try to do is I try to package different things together. Like if I get uh, to give you an example, because I literally did it today, there was a flag raising at city hall for the international day to end gender-based violence. I think I might've gotten that official name wrong, but I mean, that's basically the yep. gist. But in that, I also, there was also um, a new posting on the conversation from Dr. Dawson, who runs the, the Canadian observatory for, uh, for femicide at the university of Guelph. Uh, there was also a vigil for uh, December 6th coming up uh, in Marianne's Park. It's the first big uh, women, Guelph, Guelph and Wellington Women in Crisis in-person event that they've had since the start of the pandemic. So mm-hmm. you take these three different pieces of information that are kind of all out there floating on the Internet in some capacity and bring them all together in one place. Um, I, I think that adds value um, to sort of give give people all this news that's tied together thematically just in one place as opposed to just clicking and pasting press releases. You, you need to, 
I hate to I hate to phrase it like this, but you need a gimmick. And and so one of the things so the things that I, I kind of gravitate to are the things that set me apart. Like, yeah, I will cover stuff that I get in press releases, just like Wealth Today does, just like Wealth Tribune does, or like any media outlet does. But I also do the live tweets of meetings and I package that together. I do the newsletter. So, you know, I send right to your inbox, sort of like the headlines from the, from the last few days. And yeah, I, I do know some people that live for the tip sheet. It's like, what the heck's <laughs> going on? I'm going to get this thing and <laughs> scroll through the whole thing, including the, the funny, usually funny thing at the end. <laughs> Just Usually, to sort of tie a bow on it. It's like, oh man, that's hilarious. <laughs> that, that that I stole from Crooked Media. So ah, <laughs> the secrets are leaking out. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, to be fair, too, we're 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 speaking here as if the town is devoid of other media, which is not right. true at all. No, but I think that is the key difference. Like, say, and you know, we have to include our our, our friends in Kitchener there too. See, as I still call it CKCO, but I've learned it's not called that anymore. <laughs> You know, you know, you've been in a place a while, you know, that's CKCO and global, I guess, to a degree, they both have kind of Guelph files. But I think that's the difference that with you, there's more of a, um, an in-depth, let's say, that's lacking. You know, like I, you, your interviews are like, you will sit down with somebody and it's it's wide open, I guess, on a, on a podcast like this for mm-hmm. 45 minutes. You don't get, you get a pull quote, you get two things or a, or the ubiquitous soundbite. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you get the the detail that you um, you know you put put into things, and that's that's a noble cause, I think, because you really, I, if you want the background on people, you need you know you need that level of discussion rather than just it. Sort of harkens back to you know a time where that was more common, almost mm-hmm. along the lines of I'm going to say sixty minutes, just off the top of my head, but that kind of you know a, little, <laughs> a sit down with somebody, and and which they still do. That mm-hmm. formula is still there, but it's just it's just not as common. And I don't know if it's um, the way media is now or our attention spans or but it's just like some people are just happy with a headline now. Right. They're just happy, you know, not happy, but they're like, you know, right. new variant coming. Oh, my God. And then they just make their own story up. It's like, oh, my God, it's going to kill us all. Whereas there's no. Oh, but by the way, this and this and this and this. So. There's all of that going on. There's like the people who don't read the headline or only read the headline, I should say. Um, is, is it attention spans? Yeah, a little bit. Is it that, you know, a lot of reporters at major media outlets just don't have the time to go in depth. They need, they get the, the five questions they need answered. They fill in the copy and away they go. And, you know, sometimes that's, that's a factor of time. And I have this debate with people online occasionally and they're like, Oh, I want like a media outlet that's going to go in depth and do like investigative stuff. And it's like, okay, great. Uh, that costs money. That so costs give time. Give me one million dollars <laughs> to do it. Like <laughs> it costs shoe leather because people watch Spotlight and go, oh, isn't that great? Like they really broke that story wide open. Like this conspiracy. Like they just they they laid it all out there, and it was so great. That's the power of journalism, yeah. and. I like how Spotlight. big was that team six and like two editors and like I, well it wasn't yeah, and it more was, right it's yeah it was four it was a team of four but this is the part people always forget it's like while those four people worked on a story I think it was like eight months but by the uh, between when they started and when they published um, for that eight months uh, there were hundreds of other people still putting out a newspaper every day called the Boston Globe mm-hmm. and I think that's 
that's something that's been people appreciate the value of journalism. They don't necessarily understand what value looks like. And I see this all the time online, whether it's people complaining about paywalls or whether it's people complaining about, oh, this like this is a, this is such a short story or like, I don't really get the details or like, why are they focusing on this? And it's like, well, that person wrote four stories yesterday and that, you know, that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of the way this works. If you want them if you want to do better, you're going to have to pay for it. Um, to go back to CKCO though, I, let me tell you, I think if you were to say to like Krista Sharp or Jessica Smith, like, oh, you're from CKCO, they'll probably say, pardon me. I think that's, yeah, <laughs> just, just to put that in cuts, like Nicole Lampa may remember, but yeah, they're the new, they're the new blood, even though they've <laughs> yeah. been there for years. Right. But I, yeah. yeah. Cause I, yeah, I reminisce <laughs> about my CKCO watching over the years, but yeah, if depending on your, uh, uh, your means there was a time in town where you know you just had you got like one channel and it was ctv and if the weather was good you got global yeah yeah uh, yeah the transmitters <laughs> out in paris or something right but other than that yeah paris ontario by the way for our international <laughs> listeners <laughs> today <laughs> who are legion yes but yeah that yeah i um so i i guess i'm gonna chuck you a, a softball because i can oh okay um, well, maybe a couple of softballs. Okay. Let's have a softball game in the middle of this discussion here. <laughs> so, <laughs> is I know you know as we've said, your you your goal, your target is to is to cover local stories and interview local people. It's not necessarily to go big, right? It's let's talk to the people in the community and the politicians in the community and mm-hmm. keep it community centered. But is there anybody mm-hmm. like on the wish list? And it's probably not say the prime minister, because that's whatever, right? Like prime minister is the prime minister. Maybe it is. I don't know. I shouldn't put words in your mouth, but is there somebody that you would love to do like a classic one-on-one interview with? If you, if you could sit down with anyone Ooh. other than me, which we do every week. That's true. And we're doing um, it right now. In fact, uh, is, is there, is there anyone you'd be like, I'd love to talk to like, as oh, you know, mine was Amy Goodman and that happened. Mm-hmm. dreams do through come the, through true. the magic of the universe yeah that happened i'm like you know yeah. my favorite journalist my favorite everything and i was like blessed to be able to do that but is there somebody so i can start working on it and get them to come talk to you <laughs> via zoom or uh sure i mean i would love to talk to i mean i've had sort of polite sort of interactions with michael sona i would love to talk to him um i'd love to talk to anybody and like involved in that like if ken morgan were to appear on the grid again someday um, yeah so people don't know we're talking about the robocall era yeah in 2011 yeah which was which was when guelph went national and i think international to a degree on that story so yeah 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 yeah. so Um, wow that's so that's still keeping it local but yeah yeah good point that's like that story really hasn't been told, has it? It's just, yeah, I, I, we, I did a podcast with Susan Watson, who's like really on it in, in terms of like she was in the courtroom every day and she wasn't like there as a media representative. She was like there as an interested citizen. So she's she's like lived and breathed that for years. And so she's like a walking in Wikipedia um, to update the reference to uh, to, <laughs> <laughs> to, to that case. Um and For so, those yeah. that remember CKCO, we're going to update the reference to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. A book? What? Yeah. But yeah, so like, you know, she was on the podcast and, and 
just like talking that with her, like there's still like so many unanswered questions. Cause at the end of the day, like the judge found Sona guilty, but he was still said like, you're, you're guilty, but I know you didn't do it alone. If you, you know, so <laughs> that's, I mean, that we, we send Michael Sona to jail and we just kind of seem to forget about it. So, I mean, that's one. Um, I would love to talk to Linda Hassenfratz of uh, the CEO of Linda Marsh. I think she'd be interesting to talk to because um, she's a pretty big titan of local business. Like if a politician's coming to a town to announce some money for industry, chances are Linda Marsh getting a piece of the action. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just because like she's, it, it's still rare to have female CEOs in, even in the 2020s, uh, that's still something that doesn't happen very often, you, you know, in our our progressive enclave here in Canada. Um, very true. You know, there's. I've talked to people um, like Scott Stewart, who's like the CEO of the city of Guelph, and like he's been on the podcast a couple of times. Um, and it's like all business, which is you know, or like pertinent issues. Like he came on at the beginning of the pandemic to talk about like locking down the city and running an emergency situation in the city, which was, I mean, that was all interesting, Mm -hmm. but I mean, I, I'm interested in like the jobs, like how, how people do their jobs. Like what, what does it look like in a day? And, you know, that would be an interesting thing to explore. Um, I'm trying to think like there, there's, there's like people who, because it's local, right? People, I get a lot of people who come on the podcast who've never been on a, on the podcast. Oh, and you know, you may think everybody has a podcast now, but that's <laughs> what they don't. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's not necessarily uh, the case. Um, but it, it it's there are some people, and I won't name them all, um, who I've sort of reached out to, and they don't want to or for, for whatever reason they don't feel comfortable the the yeah. podcast hesitant as we call them right the-, the podcast hesitant yeah. well i mean whatever it is like you know when you write to people you send them an email and say like hey i want to have you on my podcast it's like 25 minutes long and it's like this back and forth and it's conversational and like i'm not going to give you a list of questions but you know we're going to talk about a b and c but it's you know I, we may not touch on all of that because you may say something and i'll send me on a tangent i mean I'm, i don't necessarily say all that in email but when you're no but <laughs> when you're t- talking to people and you're sort of explaining how this goes it can sort of seem more daunting um and and so I, there are often times i have people i get people on zoom and they say that they're nervous or that you know mention sure. i haven't done it before and so you have to just sort of take them in and say like you know you're not gonna you know you're not <laughs> execute them on the air you're not gonna, <laughs> we're gonna politically assassinate you right here just well, so I mean, what do you think of that but that does happen though right that's i think you need to be clear or you are clear at least that this it's not an ambush because i think that that right. is a fear left right whatever People are like, oh, no, I'm going to sound terrible. And this guy's going right, to know more than me and beat me into submission with my own whatever. Yeah. I think, yeah. And I think that's a common thing. And I think what people have to understand is you probably know if you're going to walk into a confrontational situation um, or a situation that could potentially be confrontational. Like last week's episode was with Sonia Preisler from Arch. Like, I'm not going to have her hmm. on the show for a confrontational interview about like healthcare. Like it's, it's to talk about like, 
you know, how Arch, story. Yeah. yeah, like how Arch is like filling in the gaps of a lot of, you know, for a lot of marginalized communities in town, like the only place they have to go for their health services is Arch. People who have HIV, people who are susceptible to HIV, like intravenous drug users or the LGBTQ plus community. So there's not going to be anything too controversial there. On the other hand, earlier this year, I had Marvel Wisdom and... Um, and the director of education from the upper grand board on. And that was like, when, when I invited them on, it was like explicitly with the idea of like, we're talking, we're going to talk about this one single topic, which was the um, decision to end the school resource officer in the upper grand board. So it was like, literally like, I'm going to, we're going to like autopsy this decision mm-hmm. live-ish on the internet. And, and so they're, they're they have to, they're walking into a situation where they know they have to sort of be on top of their facts and that um, I'm going to be listening to them very carefully. So that's a very different vibe than something like having the, uh, a couple of the kids from your downtown well friends on the show to talk about giving sandwiches to the poor. So. Yeah. Hot button versus just the standard bog standard. Yeah. Here is a community story that we want to tell. Yeah. But that's, it's so important too. And, and, I think the beauty of now with podcasts and the fact that we're able to preserve everything, I would extend that to the archive at CFRU as well, is that, and you're the same as, as me in terms of put a lot of media out there, but because it was on the radio or whatever, or like in your case, in the echo, which is now gone yeah, or, you know, any print media, which most of it has taken a beating is that a lot of it is, it's just gone. Like you may have a memory of it or maybe cut out of the paper or maybe not, but I love the fact that now, for the most part, everything is preserved. You would have your own copies or, you know, that you have the mega list on, on the website there of mm-hmm. well, the majority. I mean, some, I guess some early interviews mm-hmm. uh, got lost on the podcast and that happens too. Yeah. But I think it, it'll be a great, I think a great resource for the future too. I often thought, you know, will it be a time where <laughs> a couple of old timers go to the Guelph museums and there's an exhibit and it's like <laughs> your interview talking to Norm Jerry, who was the, it was the mayor a hundred years ago is, is like, mm-hmm. you know, th- th- there's a possibility there, right? Cause it's, 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 it's about telling the story at the time, but I think it's also to a degree, I don't know if you see it the same way uh, as preservation. Cause I think you and I are the same. Like you find an old newspaper or something like, Oh, wow. I would, if I find an old paper, I will honestly to the ads, everything read it cover to cover, probably more so than I would anything printed now. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because I'm an old officially <laughs> or whatever, but I think we, we we're maybe probably the bridge between old media because I had a paper route. I don't yeah. know if you did. Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah. You did. Okay, so there you go. This is the difference. Those that had paper <laughs> routes and maybe were head in the back of their heads like, wow, this is pretty cool. Uh, you know, you just deliver this every day, millions of them uh, to now. So maybe that's maybe because we live on the bridge between the, the old media universe and the new, there's still that yearning for something, you know, the way things used to be. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I think part of it, I was lucky in that I was able to preserve most of my echo. Cause I, I did it for four years. I want to say before echo went tits up the, um, I, I had most of it archived on my computer, like in the various Word documents I used to to write it. So I, I was yeah. able to create a little portfolio page where I was able to put all the the old echo columns. And you could I think I'm pretty sure the links on Guelph Politico on under the links section. You can see some vintage Donaldson. See some vintage. I mean it's probably all 
incredibly shitty, but um <laughs> Oh, I don't know. That's, I I'm I mean, gonna look now and be like, yeah, what did because I remember that. <laughs> I loved getting the echo, right? That's it was so thin, it was like so emaciated near the end. It yeah. was it was so sad. But like, there was it, a time though where it was like I would equate it to the now magazine about this way, right? Oh, absolutely. And actually the oh, I think about it, there was a time I think it was at the at the bookshelf theater. You could get Oh, yeah. It was now an echo. You could get both of them. And you go see a movie, get the papers, find out what the heck's going on, and mostly in entertainment, but in other things too. Um, I mean, you you t- you're talking about like sort of missing like the media culture and like the picking up the newspaper. Like, yeah, I I equate that with like the grime, like of like like remember the old Greyhound bus station like in the nineties. Oh, yeah. Like it was just so grimy. It was so it was so awesome. Like you know when you're a, yeah a, a kid from Georgetown, which is all like um you know litterless and stepfordish and you you hop on the go bus <laughs> and, <laughs> and you come up to guelph and you first your first place you get off is the greyhound bus station and you know there's yeah the know, old one yeah. yeah and you know you go in there and they yeah. took they took the doors off the stalls at one point because they didn't want people doing what they were doing in there and yeah. there's this big stack of like cd newspapers like echo where it had a sex column in the back and uh yeah <laughs> it smells yeah. like smoke and farts and old food yeah yes. like that's yes and there was a yeah. pinball machine in there at one point oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like holy heck yeah yeah it was like walking into the 1970s and then you know yeah. Guelph was I mean it wasn't a small town back in 97 98 when I came here but you know it was small-ish still it was oh yeah yeah uh, you know there, it, it wasn't like Before the one was two lanes still between Milton and yeah, like <laughs> it, it was just it was it was it. I mean, people say grimy and they mean it a bad thing. I I don't. I think it was it was just a little rougher. And I think that's something we used to say character, lost. right? It's character, like character. Sure, yeah. It is character, right? Yeah. That's... I mean, that's what I miss. I don't yeah. necessarily miss that old Greyhound building. Um. Or no, no, it was. <laughs> I'm sure somebody. <laughs> Or Somebody when they presented at City Hall that it needed to be saved because it was a historic. <laughs> or like you know, Bobby O'Brien's used to be like this really se- old, like old fashioned seedy kind of comic book store called Collage, where you could like oh. literally, you could literally s- s- still smell the stale cigarette smoke in there from the good old days when you know yeah. you'd have like the comic book guy smoking there at the counter as you like go and buy your Spider Man comic. So it, there, there was just there was just more texture. That, and that's what I yep. miss. I don't necessarily miss any one thing, but I do miss that kind of texture that there used to be in town. When the ink would kind of come off on your hands. Yeah. And, yeah. And there's that too. And I think there's something, I guess, goes, this is along the lines of textures when you see, and I'm sure you were the same when you first got started, maybe you still are to a degree. Mm. Uh, I definitely am. If I see something, not as much on the internet that I've done, but in print, mm. like the first time I got a column in a magazine, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. Oh yeah, yeah. Like it was, you just have this feeling, and I don't know if that's sort of like journalist or budding journalist by nature is that you just have this kind of like, oh yeah, I did that, and now everybody's <laughs> reading it. It's like, yeah, it's very I rem- satisfying. I remember that. Um, actually, one time on the bus, like one of the things I had written for the Ontarian, like one of the first times I'd gotten published in the Ontarian, and like being on the bus and like sitting behind someone who was like flipping through the Ontarian. And, you know, kind of like watching them as they get closer <laughs> to the page You're your like, article is on. I wrote that. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 was, 
I didn't quite that didn't quite happen to me, but it, it was so weird. Like a couple of years later, I had I was at the bus stop and I had ran into um, one of my professors from when I was an undergrad mm. and he recognized me and he he said like he had been reading me on in the Ontarian and he had been reading some of my movie reviews and I said, oh, yeah. And he's like, yeah, you're, you're a much better movie reviewer than you were still. Whoa. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Thanks, boss. <laughs> I was like, I, I took the compliment because he's right. I, I did not get a great grade in his class, but I mean, it, do you remember the, what was the class? I'm curious now. Uh, it, it was, it, <laughs> so, oh my God. Can you imagine? No, it was, it was actually, it was a history class, but it was, um, uh-huh. but it was like medieval history. And, and that prof was tough. Um, that's what you should like in so, retrospect like well you were a tough prof man well I, I i was i was kind of flabbergasted he actually enunciated what i what i think we both were thinking that i was a terrible student in his class but um i like i i'm always i'm i'm always surprised when people you know i'm still surprised when people read me and people reach out and say like yeah what you said was great or you're a tour star mouthpiece which is something somebody has actually said to me oh, so yeah yeah that, well that's yeah and the criticism kind of goes to the territory it's it's almost eh. it's easier now for people to chime in though because it used to be yeah. you had to like fashion a letter and then send it in and then the editor and but now it's just like you just go straight to twitter and go ah that guy's a patsy for you know it's whatever right yeah and you know i i gotta tell you like i go to uh, not recently, but, you know, I've been to like fan conventions and comic cons and things with, you know, people there who have done, let's say, questionable works um, mm. that were not very popular with fans. I have never seen anybody at one of those Q&As at a convention, like get up and like scoriate like th- some actor or director. Like it, it is like nobody's an asshole to your face, even in communities where, you know, there are assholes like science fiction and comic book fans it's mm. it's i mean th- so that's kind of getting at what you're saying it's like it, the internet does make it easier like it's not just that the internet makes it easier to comment it makes it easier for like the worst Anonymous. people to comment yeah. yeah yeah which makes it like it's all grain of salt right yeah but that's that just goes with the turf what do you do but at the end of the day, I always have a lot of people say to me, like, I read, I always read your Guelph Today column. I don't always agree with it. And like, it's sort of like couched in like this kind of defensiveness. That's yeah. like, I, you know, I, we, we don't agree a hundred percent of the time. And I'm like, well, that's fine. I have- are you supposed to, this is the thing. Are exactly. you, su- yeah. are you yeah. supposed to, I marvel at this where it's like, if the, <laughs> and that's very much, I think not just 21st century, but whatever, like yeah. well, if these beliefs don't completely align, then we can't, you know, there's, there's no, level of discussion to be had and i don't think that's true at all and i wish i i wish a lot of people would get past that where it's like for sure you know let's just have the talk or listen to what i have to say and then you can you can say your piece feel free um <laughs> but let's keep it you know keep it civil yeah. let's be nice about it at least hey eh? and i i've i i'm like i'm like defensive of i mean there are, i see a lot of people online who say really horrible things about people who are vaccine hesitant or um, who thinks certain politicians won elections that it didn't win. And um, I mean, th- the great trick of our time is trying to separate the people who um, have been conned and the people who are doing the conning. So I, you know, I, I'm going to these sort of vaccine. Oh, they don't, they don't like to be called vaccine hesitant either, but let, let's say 
medically skeptical the reluctant gatherings yeah. you know um i i i like talking to those people i find it interesting i i because i i feel like um you know when you sort of talk to people their face you can see that they're not bad people they 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 have been led astray to a certain extent and like i said the trickiest mm-hmm. part of it right now is separating the grifted from the grifters and um and, i mean and that's doubly hard but you could talk to like 10 people at one of those events and know that they're not bad people that, that they're just kind of confused or they oh, have yeah. questions and yeah and that's very true and i think they're probably more receptive to you because of your track record like i know someone like i it's it's not something that I could do, and not just because I'm pretty much steering clear of anything with the crowd right now. But uh, um, I would, as as more of a commentator, like as a mm. as a pundit, I suppose that my my bias would definitely uh, bleed through. I guess so. Maybe that's a shortcoming I would need to work on if I if I cover the turf. But you, I mean, you're the one covering you're covering the turf. I don't. I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you know, that's this. It's it, and it's well covered too. So I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's room for me on the You know what I mean? We we both do what we do, and, and yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, I think I, I mean, it, it feels weird to say, it, you know, Guelph, a city of hundred thirty eight thousand people. Like, how much news can there be? Well, the truth is, there's actually a lot of news. Oh yeah, um, there's a lot of stuff that falls through the cracks, and it's not necessarily because we're not on top of it. It's just because. Um, you know, in, a, in, a, in any given day, there may be, you may have time to do 10 things, but there's 15 things going on. And, you know, that's just kind of the reality of the situation. And there are things like that, you know, I, in every newsletter, I report on the COVID numbers. Um, you know, Guelph mm. Today does that every day. The Guelph Tribune does that every day. Matt Cardi at Seajoy uh, does that every day. And it's, I mean, you kind of have to do that basic news because, uh, I mean, that is basic news and you kind of have to stay on top of it. It doesn't matter that it's. And most people want to know that number. So it should be on yeah. all channels, really, uh, yeah. right? It should be That's like readily right. available. It's like, here it is today. Here's what you need to know. That's yeah. exactly right. So there's like a basic level of like information everybody needs to have and should be broadcast everywhere. And then there's like the next level stuff where you kind of have like some discretion. It's important to know, but it's not like universally important. And then there's the next level up from that, which is like the stuff, you know, that somebody told you that you only have the information and you have to find it some way to disseminate that, whether that is through the podcast or whether that's through like doing some sort of an investigative piece or going through um, getting on the phone to city councilors and getting confirmation, and, mm-hmm. you know? So, so yeah. Yeah. Oh, so I have a related question and I suppose it's a bit of an aside. It's along okay. these lines. Okay. Maybe you know the answer to this, and it probably doesn't even directly relate directly to your podcast. Maybe it does. Why do you think there is a reluctance now to name, to name names, but to name places? And uh, I think you know what I'm talking about. I'll give you an example. And they'll say, "Well, they'll say like a store in the downtown had you know had a broken window and somebody was arrested." I remember a time where it was like it was like it was this store. And it was this person, and they also did this, and they've gone down. But mm. they, I, I noticed there's this trend, and I don't mm. know if it's just a, a Guelph trend because you know, read Guelph news and then other news, other news tends to name names or might even have a picture of somebody. But there seems to be this hesitancy to, is do you think it's a legal thing? Is it just that, or maybe people aren't interested? Like my a game, a bit of a game that I have is to try and guess 
<laughs> you know what store was robbed like the I, I feel it's talked about this before, but there was it was like several bottles of liquor were stolen from a store at the corner of Gordon and and uh, Woodlawn, uh, not Woodlawn, Wellington. It's like well, yeah. I think I know what store that is, right? Like yeah, <laughs> that's an easy one. But then yeah. it's like I I where do you see that coming from? Is it is it just because it's twenty twenty one, or is it just like? Everyone's afraid to name names in case there's a lawsuit or well there was a there was a lawsuit. There was that case of the the guy who police took into custody. They thought he was um well acting inappropriately at the waiting pool, and it turns out he was like oh, having yeah. some kind of uh, right. some, yeah. some kind of mental health crisis. And so uh, maybe that's the moment where it changed then. I mean, and then there's also the fact that it's like the internet's forever. Like if you're going to search Adam Donaldson Guelph, you're going to get some pretty obvious stuff like Guelph Politico and like yeah. Guelph Today and uh, maybe maybe something from the Echo days. I don't know. But, I, you know, if I was once taken into custody for, I don't know, let's say breaking into somebody's house and issuing death threats to them and <laughs> assaulting people. This like is a, an example. <laughs> this didn't actually happen. Right? <laughs> Well, it didn't happen to me, but there was an just example. Just so the people know. Yeah, there was an right. example so, of somebody yeah. rather well-known locally who broke into a house and assaulted people and issued death threats uh, rather mm-hmm. recently. Um, they might oh, yeah. Have, they might have been a member of parliament uh, at one point. But uh, we knew that, though. That's, you know. It, well, it didn't come out till after the fact, too, until, like, Global did the digging. And, yeah. um, but, I mean, I think that's why the Internet's forever. So, like, you don't want you know it's entirely theoretical like 10 years maybe you've done your time maybe the charges were dropped but like what's the first thing if if you're not someone who like lives on the internet uh mm-hmm. to the extent that we do um and the first thing on that when you're googled that comes up is like this press release this Guelph police press release from 10 years ago that said you were arrested for something my guess is that would be the reason that's why that's a good reason the internet is forever so yeah yeah. Or is it? Dun dun dun. <laughs> There's an asteroid with a long name. <laughs> well, I mean, it if, might not be. If an asteroid hits us, nobody's going to be looking up anything on the internet, and this is all for naught. So, well, they're they're going to like deflect it, right? Isn't this some sort of scheme afoot to? Yeah, they launched mm. a satellite to try and. They're doing a deflection experiment. I believe that they launched the satellite from Vanderberg on a SpaceX rocket. I think it was yesterday or the day before. I bet when we're when we're recording this, not when you're listening to this, everyone. But I love how we just immediately went from like <laughs> 300 episodes of the Politicast to <laughs> space stuff. But this know. is how we roll, right? <clears throat> I mean, it's it is what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think when you were t- we were talking about who you wanted to interview, the, your your wishes were very modest because I thought for sure you're going to say like Donald Trump, but maybe you know, maybe you don't. <laughs> Mm, no, I no. well, yeah. sure. I would talk to Obama. I would talk. I mean, you you, you talk to talk, anybody, right? You could talk to anybody. Honestly, it, it's um. I would love to have Justin Trudeau on at some point and and like say like, hey, dude, remember when you said three hundred times this was the last? <laughs> you know, a lot of people. And that's why he'll never be on. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's not just that, but I mean. I remember during the campaign, he went on one of the, I think it was one of the global stations in BC and that reporter like really like hung him by the ankles over the fire. And people were like, Holy crap. Why, why is it every sucks? Why why is it every prime ministerial interview like this? And it's like, and and to go back to 
08, one of my lasting memories of doing Politico stuff, even before there was technically uh, a name to Politico, was mm. um, during that 08 campaign. And it was like, it was near the end. And I think, I mean, Stephen Dion was always kind of under attack, under siege. Yeah. Um, largely because he, or I mean, remember Mike Duffy uh, attacking oh, yeah, his, yeah. his English, right? So, I mean, mm. But one of the the experiences from that campaign is like he came to Guelph, campaigned with Mike with I was gonna say <laughs> I was gonna say Mike Valeriad, but that's not right. Uh, no. with with Frank Valeriad, who was running in his first election, mm-hmm. and I, I can't remember how it happened, but I was introduced to like do a sit down with Stefan Dion and Frank at the same time, and I thought and you went what yeah, and, and I was like yes absolutely because you know yeah. I was new kid on the block and uh, you know you jump at everything. And I mean, it was a good 20, 25 minutes, but I mean, it was 25 minutes alone in a room with the leader of the liberal party, the local yeah. liberal candidate, and almost definitely one of the, you know, the, the leaders PR, one of the leaders PR people, but still that doesn't happen. I don't know no. anywhere where that's kind of happened. Even, even like Annamie Paul, uh, when she mm. was leader of the green party, or I mean, did Jagmeet Singh come here at all in, in, uh, in either of the previous two campaigns? Mm. I don't think because I he didn't come here oh. during the, the leadership campaign. Um, because I, I remember he's been that. here, but maybe not tied to any campaign, perhaps. But I, I remember he was like the one NDP guy in the last leadership round who didn't come to Guelph. Everyone mm-hmm. else came to Guelph. Uh, Nikki Ashton came to Guelph, Peter Julian came to Guelph, Charlie Angus came to Guelph, but. Um, and we spoke to all of them, didn't we? I feel yeah, we had yeah. all of them. Like we had to, like do like a fifteen minute kind and of some, round. Yeah. Some parties are more accessible. I met, that was oh eight was when I got for CFRU the f- like five minutes with Jack Layton, but yeah, the band was playing so loud that it was kind of obliterated, and no amount of technical <laughs> tricks could could fix it. But the fact that it happened, I was like, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, yeah there's there's definitely like a, a loss of access. Like yeah, Eliz- like Elizabeth May. Um, I think it was even before the the by election because I definitely remember making it one of like one of the early echo columns was an interview with her. Mm. Um, she came to town and it was like this big green event at the Guelph Youth Music Center, and so like I was in a room with her and Mike Nagy for at least twenty minutes. Uh, yeah, so like that doesn't happen. And then anymore. there's the the famous video of you interviewing Elizabeth May at the. Uh at the red Chev with me eating, you know, stuffing my gut with a big piece of cake in the background, which is still one of my favorite, like right, a and- cameo of me and, <laughs> and Keith eating cake in the, in the pretty in the sure that's like, what yeah, happened there? I'm pretty sure that's still on YouTube somewhere. Oh, um, I have to look it up. But I mean, that was like a scrum situation, right? Yeah. So I mean, but I mean like going good, going to the side, getting your recorder out, having your prepared list of questions and like doing a bit of back and forth. You just, like that just doesn't happen anymore. No, at least in like a campaign. So we, we, we've done pretty, I mean, we have our local MPP is the leader of a provincial party, mm. but, um, and you know, we've had, uh, we've had Stephen Del Duca on open sources and we've had Andrea Horvath on open sources. So it can, it can be done, but just in terms of like that kind of access, uh, we don't get yeah. that anymore. And I, I have a hard time to, like with people throwing gravel, at the prime minister, oh, yeah. I, I have a hard time seeing something like that. Yeah, happening. It, it's 
it's weird in some ways it's inverted in a way because it used to be we would always and almost you know we're striving to get the fringe mm-hmm. but it's it's almost gone the other way where it's like the fringe fringe doesn't want anything to do with the community media anymore because they've got their own media right they've got their own channel and producers and we'll just do it our way and it's like you'll never ever take it with that you'll well, never win yeah i can't tell you how many times i've well not that many but <laughs> i've been to things <laughs> where enough. yeah where it's like yeah it's something fringy like that where they're like oh we don't want you to take video and then there's somebody like a couple you want people. to get elected or no uh, you're just okay. joking right <laughs> it's like yeah well, i'm well i'm thinking more of like yeah like these like protests about like COVID lockdowns and things like they, they yeah, like, well, that's... somebody says like, don't shoot video of me. Mean, meanwhile, like five meters to your right, there's somebody with a video camera who's part of yeah, the but... gang. So yeah, it's living in the upside down in 2021 is, is that kind of thing, but well, kudos I mean... to you for going covering that stuff. Cause <laughs> well, you're double vax, possibly triple vax soon. So, you know, and it's yeah. outside. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, it's. Um... I'll be your safety committee if you want. You can just run it by me. If you... <laughs> the health and safety committee. Do yeah. the analysis. The health and safety committee for the podcast. Right? Do you have your mask? Do you have your sanitizer? <laughs> yeah, it's. It's. I mean, those situations are weird. Sort of like being in a big crowd of people where you are wearing a mask. Um, but, uh, it is what it is. It. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's. It's harder. It's not impossible um no it's just and and it, it's a universal thing like people are ultra conscious around just in general and um this is kind of off topic but one of the things we watched this <laughs> year for um for end credits was kid 90 which is soleil moon fry's documentary about um oh. about like all the videos she made for people who don't know soleil moon fry was punky brewster um yeah in the yeah. 90s <laughs> in the 90s she like filmed a bunch like because she was a famous kid in hollywood so she had a bunch of famous friends so she you know walked she had a lot of really great footage of like people like um charlie sheen and mark paul gosler and this is uh, like home movies or yeah they're home movies it's like yeah. she she put, put together some like home movies and talked about like what she was thinking it's it's an interesting movie it's on amazon prime hmm. but uh the point i'm getting at is mark paul gosler at one point says you know he remembers hanging out with Soleil Moon Fry and she would always have a, like a video camera and she'd always be filming stuff and they wouldn't think twice about it. But now uh, he sees a flash bulb goes off and thinks mm. to himself, was, was I picking my nose when somebody was taking that picture? Or what was I doing with my hands when someone took that picture? And so, I mean, he's a celebrity for sure, but I think there's also that hyper-awareness amongst average people. That- yeah. I guess is the Val Kilmer movie along those lines as well. Yeah. He's a big home movie maker too yeah Val. i love how we dipped a tone to the end credits universe there which which <laughs> seems to happen with us on occasion so we run the gamut yeah. we've covered all the bases yes we have and i don't think i swore once even though it's a podcast so that's uh <laughs> i left that up to you it is true role reversal with me in the chair and uh, uh but just this one time i think i've had a cameo on a couple of times on the politicast uh Somewhere yeah. in the vaults, there's there's you and I talking. Yeah, we did like a Guelph stuff about one of the, I think during the municipal election, we did like a, a debate, post-debate post yes. analysis. When those things were in person and things weren't fucked up. There, I got it in. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I've been so dying to that. <laughs> Why did you do the plot? Well, well I, I did it so I could swear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's the only reason. That's not the only reason. Well. 
Although technically in like sort of movie parlance, it's PG-13 because we got one F-bomb and if, if you, you're allowed one. So it's not exactly R-rated. Just saying. No, well, that's, yeah. Goes with the chair. <laughs> Has anybody seen Ted Lasso? Oh my goodness. Yikes. Uh, anyway, yeah. So, and and that's end credits for this week. I'm Scotty Hertz <laughs> filling in for <laughs> Join by Adam Belson. Uh, well, I guess I guess I guess that's a wrap. Um, Adam, thanks for joining me today. <laughs> Here's to your 300th. Uh, let's do this again. Maybe 600 or 500 or you know someday. 600 will be what four five years from no something like that, right? Well, you do 52 episodes. Multiply by 52. <laughs> Yes. So, yeah, six years. Six, six years. Okay, so uh, maybe six and a half with a break. I don't know. Join us in uh, November 2028 for the <laughs> 600th episode of the Guelph Politicast. Until then, I'm Scotty Hertz, and thank you for joining us. No, thanks, Adam. Honestly, uh, you know, congratulations, and <laughs> thank uh, you. We will all keep listening. Um, may your audience spread far and wide beyond the borders of Guelph and Wellington County. And long live the Politico. <laughs> I was going to say three cheers, but you know, it's, there's no. <laughs> yeah. That would be a little, that'd be a little bizarre. Two people say it like an old, give yourself a pat on the back young man, because you know, it's quite, no, it is. It really is a quite the accomplishment. And uh, I think this town owes you one. Well, I, I appreciate this town that. doesn't owe me anything, but you know, it's, it's uh <laughs> Significant body of work and very impressive. Well, uh, I I can't promise 300 more episodes, but uh, who knows what will... I mean, it, I could deliver 900 more episodes. Who knows? It could... Uh, who knows See, on the, thou- the thousandth. I'm, I'm definitely buying the beers on the thousandth. Holy cow. <laughs> because by then, we'll you know be able to do that or... I feel compelled to point out we are almost nearly up to a thousand episodes on the the channel in total oh. so with like open sources politicast and end credits let's see 220 something end credits 350 mm. something that's quite the body of work open My goodness. sources so 570 so yeah we'll hit we'll hit a thousand in 2022 wow yeah. And I think, well, I mean, if you included everything that we that isn't documented that we've done <laughs> both separately and together, it's got to be, well, it's just got to be. The entire century belongs to Guelph Politico <laughs> and, and credits this is and the, open sources and CP. Yeah, it's just. It's, this is it's, the Guelph Politico century. So what? But before, never a dull moment, right? Never a dull moment. Okay. Let's, uh, let's hit the stop button and uh, play the outro. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. Thank you. And that's it for this edition of the Guelph Politicast. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. The Guelph Politicast is usually recorded at CFRU, Guelph Campus and Community Radio, out of the University of Guelph. And to learn more about CFRU, go to CFRU.ca. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Stitcher, Google, Spotify, and TuneIn. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you will get an episode of Open Sources Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Friday. 
You can follow Guelph Politico on social media at Guelph Politico on Twitter and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me personally at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram, and you can send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com. If you would like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico, you can get all that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And for all the latest local political news, check out guelphpolitico.ca, where there will be a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you next week. And until then, we will see you next time.